You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Well, amen. It is good to know your sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. Please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount And as we keep going through the gospel according to Matthew, you'll notice this about Jesus. And I just, I love this about Jesus so much. Jesus wants to talk about what we don't want to talk about. Have you noticed that about him? Even when people throughout the gospels, when people are thinking things and they're not even saying them out loud, they're just thinking them to themselves. Jesus goes, hey, why are you thinking that way? And Jesus has looked at us in the Sermon on the Mount, and he has had conversations with us about things that we generally want to avoid, that we want to stuff down. That we, he wants to talk about our anger. He wants to talk about our lust. He wants to talk about our marriages. He wants to talk about divorce. He wants to talk about how we pray, how we sing in church, how we serve others. And today, Jesus wants to talk about even more as he's been going through the areas of our lives, this area and this area and this area, now Jesus says, why don't we open up the garage? Let's look at this. And he wants to look at our closets. And he wants to talk about our bank statements. And he wants to talk about our 401ks. And he wants to talk about economics and garage sales and our obsessions. He wants us to look at all of the treasures that will one day be trash. And that's okay. All of our treasures will become trash one day. That is just a part of living the human life. But Jesus wants to remind us that there are treasures in this universe and in human existence that will never be trash. Verse 19. And if you're able, let's stand together as we read the word of Christ that our brother Matthew gave us by the power of the Spirit. And Jesus says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, Your whole body would be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body would be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Since he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us now to discover who our master really is. We want to say you. We know we're in church, so we should say you. But you didn't give us these words, Jesus, as an empty exercise. You gave these words to your disciples so we could trace them and follow them and go, who is our master? What is our treasure? What are we storing up for? What will happen when the clouds are rolled back like a scroll? 
What will happen when the Lord sins? Where will our treasure be? So help us now, King Jesus, by your name and by your power, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you haven't heard of Marie Kondo, then you don't know about the latest craze. You take the show Hoarders and then add a helpful Japanese lady to it. And now you've got Tidying Up with Marie Kondo on Netflix. It it is amazing how much stuff people have. It's horrifying and hilarious all at the same time. She made this one lady, she makes all of them do this, go get all of their clothes. And this lady had clothes, about four or five closets spread throughout their house. And of course, the husband had like one rack. But she's got stuff everywhere. And she says, pile it all up. And they're piling it on the bed. Pop, 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 pop. Go up to the ceiling and she makes them stare at it. Some of it still has tags on it, decades old. Say, look at all this stuff. You got to purge. And her strategy for getting rid of things, either clothes or even if it's a collection of owl figurines, it's the same strategy. You look at the object and say, does, you ask, does this spark joy? Family photos, does this spark joy? Yes. Clothes from 30 years ago, does this spark joy? I hope not. And I love, if it doesn't, get rid of it. If it does, keep it. I love on one episode, I think it's the first one, they're getting, the husband and wife are going through the exercise. Does not spark joy? No, 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 no. And he's like, this doesn't spark joy. Let's get rid of it. And she goes, no, 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 that does spark joy for me. And he goes, a box of hangers sparks joy for you? It's a box of hangers. Clearly he doesn't do the laundry. She knows a box of hangers does spark joy. And the show is intense and it's, it's helpful. There's a reason why it's so popular. We have problems with stuff. All humans have a problem with stuff. And Jesus goes a similar way, but a different way at the same time with this. He says, I want you to look at your stuff. I want you to look at that item, the ones you can hold in your hands, the ones that you hold in your hearts. And I want you to ask, not does this spark joy? I want you to ask, does this spark too much joy? Does this spark the right kind of joy? Does your car spark too much joy? See, Jesus, he's not against earthly things. He made these things. He's given us these things. But friends, there's, Jesus is telling us, there are things I have for you that I want you to ask, does this spark enough joy for me? Do the things of heaven, does that spark the right kind of joy? Are the things of heaven sparking more joy than the things of earth for me? The answer, what to do with the things of earth, isn't to trash it. It's to rethink your joy, to recalibrate your joy. And where Jesus takes us first is he says, I want you to trace your treasuring. Trace your treasure. Look look at verse 21. We'll, We'll kind of start at the end of this one section and work our way back up. But 21, Jesus says, here's why this matters. For where your treasure is, what you value, what you prize, what's precious to you, here's why this is so important. There your heart, your heart will be also. What you value, what's dear, what's precious, that's where your heart is. And the heart that Jesus is talking about is not the hallmark heart. It's not sentimentality. It's not feelings and cuddly enjoyments. The heart and the scriptures is the mission control of your life. You've seen those movies with NASA 
And they got Johnson Space Center, Mission Control. What's happening there? And Mission Control, they are reading data, charting courses, communicating, and making important decisions, charting out what's going to happen. How are things going to unfold? How do we need to react to this situation for this satellite, for this space shuttle, for this rover? What do we need to do? And the scriptures talk about your heart in the exact same way. Your heart is mission control. You read data in the world, your passions, your life, and you chart out the course. It could go this way. Oh, this is what's happening. I should do this. This is available. I should pursue that. Your heart is mission control, making decisions based off of data. And Jesus says, I want you to look at your treasure, what you treasure most, and you'll know what is working behind the buttons and levers and screens and comms of the mission control of your life. It'll either be the kingdom of heaven, the ways of God, or it will be the way of earth. So Jesus says, let's trace it. Let's think about our stuff for a second. And remember, Jesus is saying all this as someone who left the glories of heaven, humbled himself as a homeless, Galilean, itinerant preacher. And he's teaching us about stuff. Jesus says, I know, I I had stuff. And I came here to tell you, verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Here's why the things of earth, they're great, they're wonderful, but look, look what happens to these things, Jesus says. Moths, things get ruined by nature. Rust, ruined by time. Thieves, things get unexpectedly ruined by people. This is everything you own, from what you're wearing to what's in your closets, Jesus says, don't put all of your energy into these things that are are going to fall apart. Do you realize that everything you own will become someone else's problem in the future? Everything you own will become someone else's problem. When you die, if you ever had a family member die, what happens? There's a pile of stuff that you're left with. Your kids have to sort through it. They fight over it, they sell it, they split it. It becomes a garage sale, it becomes an estate sale, it becomes a dumpster. Jesus is reminding us, this is life. The things that we love so much today, it is tomorrow's trash. The things that are so important to us, Jesus says, look how fragile they are. They don't last. Moth, rust, robbers. Jesus says, not to get rid of your treasures, your possessions, your money, your things. He's saying, see them for what they are. Don't ask too much of them. Don't read this as Jesus being anti-treasure. Jesus isn't into poverty theology. There's prosperity theology. Jesus wants you to be rich, 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 rich. That's not what the New Testament teaches. Jesus wants you to be poor, poor, poor. That's not what the New Testament teaches either. Jesus is saying, I want you to be more picky about where you store and where you crave and where you find your treasures. All picky eaters should rejoice. Because Jesus says there, I want you to be picky about your treasures. Why? Verse 20. So, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
I want you to go there. He's not anti-treasure. Redial your treasure. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't, can't, never will break in and steal. Jesus says, how about treasures forever in heaven? The treasures of heaven, the, the things of God, the kingdom, eternity, sinlessness, eternal life, God himself, the risen Christ. The Jesus says, this is what can be yours. And I think we, we got to stop for a second and just think about, because if you miss this part, you'll, you'll miss the whole thing. you got to think about the heart of Christ and him telling us these things. Jesus isn't telling us to not store up treasures on earth and store up treasures in heaven. He's not telling us this so you'll tithe more to the church. So never fear. This is not what the sermon's about. Jesus isn't telling us don't store up treasures on earth, store up treasures in heaven. Jesus isn't telling us this so we will all give more to the building campaign. Though that would be great and we do need that. Jesus isn't telling us this wagging his finger at us. And scolding us, tis tisking us. Jesus is letting you in on the greatest investment tip ever. Jesus is giving us the greatest insider trading secret in the history of mankind. All of this stuff is great, Jesus says. Enjoy it. But I'm telling you, there is something better. This stuff, rust and bugs and people ruin, but there are treasures you can have that you can enjoy for eternity that will be relevant 45 billion years from today. Do you remember, if you're kind of in my age bracket, when the Nintendo 64 came out? Uh, Zach does. Zach's, he's with me. When I'm playing GoldenEye, the greatest video game ever made, and I remember sitting there with my friends thinking, it could never get better than this. This is it. This is the best video game possible. What could be better than 64 bits? Here we are with virtual reality, augmented reality. Jesus is telling us these things because he loves us. He wants what's best for you. He wants us to experience the greatest, deepest, realest joys of the universe. He's not telling us to scold us, but to invite us. I want you to maximize your joy. Have you ever been to Fogo to Chow? Amen. It is a place you should all go at one point in your life. If you're vegetarian, don't go. You'll hate it. Don't. Don't. I'm sorry. Fogo to Chow is a Brazilian steakhouse where you get unlimited steak. Brought to you by the table. You don't even have to get up. They bring it to you. These gauchos with these sword skewers of filet, top sirloin, bottom sirloin, filet wrapped in bacon. It's a bit of heaven there. And I went with some friends recently, and one of the guys, it was his first time. And I told him, hey, listen, there's going to be some really delicious bread on the table. It is so good. These little bite-sized cheesy bread. It's amazing. Only have one or two or three. Don't, don't go crazy because you don't want to fill up on the bread, okay? So, okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. And then we get there and say, hey, look, there is a salad bar. It looks amazing, but it's a trick. <laughs> salad is always a trick. Remember that. Don't fill up on it. Last tip, they're going to bring around other kinds of meat too. They're going to bring you chicken. Thumbs down on the chicken. You can get chicken at home. Wave it on. You're not going to offend the gaucho. Just tell them, nope, keep moving. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. 
They're going to bring sausage. They're going to bring garlic beef. They're going to bring, no, don't stack your plate with those things. Wait for the filet, the house special, the bottom sirloin. If they don't bring it, ask them, say, hey, I want the filet. Can you bring that? I will wait for you. My friend didn't listen. Filled up on bread, filled up on salad, filled up on chicken, barely enjoyed steak. Beloved, Jesus is telling you, don't fill up on the cheesy bread of this world. Don't fill up on the chicken of this world and the salad of this world. There is a marriage supper of the lamb to come. There is a wedding feast. There is a joy with the bride of Christ and the bridegroom that far outshadows everything that we tinker around with here. Jesus is saying, I want your joy to be maximized, so trust me. It's the exact experiment with these kids and the marshmallows. You can have one marshmallow now, but if you wait 15 minutes, I'll give you five, two, three, whatever. What happens? The adult walks out of the room, kids, they eat it. Jesus said, hey, there's stuff here now, great, but wait, enjoy it. But listen, there's more to come. And C.S. Lewis captured this probably better than anyone outside of the scriptures. Jesus is not anti-joy. Jesus is not anti-treasure. He's not anti-reward. Jesus is pro these things. Look at what Lewis says. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, like what we're reading right here, treasures in heaven, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. How? We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who, goes, who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Does your future spark enough joy for you? Or do you settle for the mud pies and the slums on the internet with what your paycheck can do? Friends, Jesus has more for us. How often do you think about your future? This is what Lewis has alluded to. This is what Jesus is talking about. It is staggering how often the future, eternity, is brought up in the New Testament and used to motivate us how we live today. I mean, Jesus has done it numerous times in the Sermon on the Mount already. Blessed are the humble. Why? They will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. Don't store up treasures on earth. Why? you got treasures in heaven. Jesus is saying your, your view of the future, your faith in the future should form how you live in the present. That you should be so confident about what is in store for you in the future that it changes how you live today. But instead, many of us, all we do is spin and toil in the present and we neglect the future treasures to come. We fight and claw and scratch and leverage and sweat and panic over the temporary accolades at work. But then someone else does something better and you're forgotten and skipped over. Or your company gets shut down. You get let go. Downsizing. Transferred. 
We want to store the treasures of success, of ambition, like Lewis says, but it's never enough. What happens when you do a better job at your work? You get more responsibilities. You keep doing better, you keep getting more. It doesn't get easier, it gets more and more and more. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. As a great scholar once told us, you get more money, you get more problems. You get more stuff, you gotta get a house. Fill it up. You get a bigger house, you gotta get more stuff to fill it with. Get more money, you get a nicer car. and Nothing is wrong with any of these things. We are all rich in this room. World standards, look at it. We are all fully clothed. We eat three meals a day. We are meeting in an air-conditioned, covered, non-dirt floor place. We are rich. We are elite. Jesus is inviting us to ask, which excites you more? Today's treasures, which will be tomorrow's trash. You know the old saying, you never see a U-Haul following a hearse. But you can find that picture. It does exist. But you'll never find a U-Haul flying up into the heavens. So which gives you more joy? Today's treasures, which is tomorrow's trash, or the treasures that last forever? So how? How will we not store up treasures on earth? Don't do it. Jesus says, this is not just, hey, I want to give you a theology of treasuring. He says, no, I want you to actually do this. Okay, so how do we not store up here and how do we store up there? First thing, and I hope you receive this. Don't paint over your greed by saying, I'm doing it for my kids. Doing it for my kids. Doing it for my kids. Don't paint over your greed by adding coat after coat of that. You should provide for your kids. That's biblical. But you can provide for your kids and also not neglect the commands of Christ at the same time. The scriptures, the proverb says, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his grandchildren. Amen. You can do all of that also without neglecting the commands of Christ. Secondly, how do we not store up here and store up there? Generously give to those in need. Generously give to those in need. This is Jesus' upfront, undeniable teaching in the Gospels. Give to those in need. The poor, the homeless, the less fortunate, pregnancy centers, missionaries, adoption funds, you name it, prisoners, you name it. Do good works. And Paul explains this to, in 1 Timothy to Timothy. He says, Timothy, tell the rich in your church this. And so we who are all rich, it's though we are all sitting, we're listening to Timothy. Timothy is telling, here's what the rich should do. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, he says, instruct those who are rich in this present age. Check mark across the room. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth. It can be gone like that. One bad financial move, all gone. Tragedy, gone. Wealth is uncertain, but set your hope, but on God. What does God do? He richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Man, do you see how Paul's weaving all this together so well for us? God provides us with things to enjoy, but look, instruct them to do what is good. What do you mean, Paul? To be rich in good works. We know what it means to be rich in money and stuff. He says, take that, 
and be rich in good works. Have a huge fund of you doing stuff for others. Be generous, willing to share. And look what Paul says these things, these things do for you. Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age. If you write in your Bible, Matthew 6, 19 through 24, right here. In the coming age, your future. So that they may take hold of what is truly life. Paul says, you know what is truly life? Doing good works, being rich in good works, being generous, sharing, laying hold of your future. Generosity, dependency on God, rich in works. So how will you live this? We can affirm this and go, yeah, that's totally true. And then walk out and never do anything different. These, these are not empty words from Jesus or Paul. This is not a theory on treasuring. This is reality. So how are you going to obey this? Jesus is telling his disciples these things because he wants us to do them. He's warning us about the dangers of treasures on earth. So here's how you will obey this. Ask God, what would you have me do? I can't answer for you how you will obey this. But the Holy Spirit can lead you. A few things you could do instead of selling your old kid stuff on beg, barter, and buy so you can get a fraction of that money back, give it to the Tomball Pregnancy Center. Instead of having a garage sale where you're going to get irritated and you're going to be haggled from $2 down to 25 cents by somebody, just take all that stuff to team. The Tomball Emergency Assistance Ministries. Give it away to those who are in need. You will gain by losing and gain by giving. But if you hoard and keep, you will lose by keeping. You can ask it this way. How's your treasure seeking? Or how is your treasure seeing? Look at verse 22 and 23. Jesus talks about the eye as the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, it'll be dark. Here's what Jesus is saying. Your vision for how you see the treasures of earth it will inform your mission control and how you respond. If your eye is right and you see things rightly, light comes in. Your eye works, then mission control, your heart will make all the right decisions, chart all the right courses, and do all the proper things. But if you have a bad vision, bad sight for the things of earth and the things of heaven, then your mission control is dark and they're going to fumble around. I don't know. I, I can't see. I can't make the right calls. If your faith in the future is small, and your faith in the treasures with the risen, risen Christ is small, then your mission control will be dark and dingy and will crash land. And you'll get it all wrong. And it ultimately comes down to this. Track who you serve. Track your master. Track your allegiance, Jesus says. Look at verse 24. As Jesus begins to close, he says, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, be devoted to one or despise the other. You can't have two. You can't be a Coke family and a Pepsi family. You just can't. Because we all know Pepsi's not okay. And, and Natalie, my wife, I, I don't know if this is true of every woman. I, I just know about how, how she does things. But she has her hairstylist and she's devoted to her. She's not going to go to another one. Doesn't matter if she's gone somewhere else. She's going to work in a different salon, a different place. She's, I'm, go, I'm going wherever she goes. I'm worried if she moves out of town. Like, what, what's going to happen now? 
Jesus says, you're devoted. You can't have two masters. So you can't be about your life, your treasures, the things of earth, and treat God like a side hustle. And treat God like a side job. And treat God like an Etsy shop. You cannot have a side hustle for heaven. Jesus says, no, you only have one master. Only one person has control over your life. Only one person has say so. Only one person has veto powers. And is it God or you? That's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say you. He doesn't say ourselves. In this scenario, we are not the lords over our lives here. Look at who our master says Jesus is. It's either this or that. What? Is you cannot serve both God and money. Money. It's amazing he says money. He could have said anything. But the love of money, the scripture says, is the root of all evil, the love of money. Money is one of the biggest motivators to humans. Money makes people do dumb things. Ruin their lives. Ruin companies. Who is your master? Jesus is asking. Who is your Lord? Honestly. I know like we should all we all feel like we should say, oh, God is. We, we're in church. We know. I should say, God is my master. But remember what Jesus has been saying. Trace your treasuring. Where does it lead? What do you see in your heart? Is it with God? The things of God and the gospel, the kingdom of Christ, his cross and resurrection? Or is it your job, your money, your car, your kids, your house, success, sinful desires? Think about it this way. Where do the bulk of your energies go? That's your master. Jesus says you'll either be devoted or you'll despise one. Where do the bulk of your energies go? That's your master. Devoted means we have a strong attachment. I mean, you can't separate me from this. Despise, the word means I see this as little value. That's why a lot of us, we would totally stop and pick up a $100 bill. But not many of us are going to stop and pick up a penny. It's a little value. We're going to stop and do that. And if we aren't devoted to God, we will despise him. Treat him like a little value. Or we overvalue everything else Monday to Saturday, and we give God two hours on Sunday, including travel time. We overvalue everything that humidity and time and trash compactors will destroy. And we live in a rainforest, it seems. Disciples of Jesus, he's saying you are to be dialed in to your master. Mission control puts everything in its right trajectory. So all of your energy, if it gets put into your job, what about putting energy into your brothers and sisters in Christ to see them flourish? If you think, ah, oh, Lee, that seems like a lot. It's exhausting. I got to work. And then all this other stuff too. It, yeah, it's almost like the Bible says we have to die to self or something. You put all of your energy into success at work. Putting in more hours, more effort, more time. Well, what about the souls of the people you work with? What about their state before Christ? All the strategies and planning and preparing for that big expense for your house. Uh, Do you have any strategies, any planning, any preparing for you to grow with Christ this year? To read your Bible. 
to pray, to show up to church consistently. Your treasure, your master, which is it? Listen, what never loses in your life, that is your Lord. What never loses in your life, that is your Lord. Jesus says you can't serve God and money. Money is a tyrant. Don't serve money. Make it serve you, your master, your God. Use it for his glory and the good of others. And the word serve, you cannot serve literally, it means you cannot be owned by God and money. He's using an analogy of slavery from the Roman Empire. You will either be owned by God and he will be in control or you'll be owned by money and that will be in control over you. Beloved, Jesus doesn't want you to be owned by money and all that money can do for us. And do you know why? Because of your future. You are not just some piddly Christian in a local church on Sunday morning. If you are in Christ, you are a co-ruler of the heavens and the new earth with Jesus Christ. You are a co-heir with him. Your discipleship with Christ is actually an internship and a training program for you to rule over the universe with him. So he's teaching you, don't be controlled by money. In fact, you should be controlling it because you will be a co-heir with me, a co-ruler with me. You are in an internship for you to reign over the universe with me. So put money in its proper place. Put your treasures in its proper place. Money is your servant. Who is your master? Who is your Lord? And what are you wanting to store more of? Good works are good stuff now. Riches in the kingdom are riches that will impress people for a very short window of time. I don't know if you saw recently, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, MVP, multiple-time basketball player, Hall of Fame, multiple winning center with the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, his name was Luel Cinder. As he went to the Lakers and he became a Muslim, he changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And just this past week, I saw that he's selling mo- many of his championship rings, trophies, I mean, he's, not selling, he's auctioning them off in charity to give to others. And they asked him, why are you doing this? I mean, people, you, you work so hard for all these, you spent years working out, dedication, sacrifice for all of these, this aura of success. And now you're just going to give it away to inner city kids and to teaching people how to read. I mean, what, what drives that? All these rings and trophies are great, fine. But he says, if I can use these to help a kid learn how to read, that means way more to me. So here you have a devout Muslim giving away gold, success. So how are we as devout, I hope, disciples of the risen Christ? We don't have MVP trophies. We don't have rings. We've got other things. See, beloved, following Jesus Christ, it sends shockwaves through our lives. The Sermon on the Mount is a shockwave, a rattling, a thunderclap through our lives, untangling and fixing us because that's how thunderous a crucified and risen man is. 
If we say we follow somebody who was crucified and uncorpsed, brought back to life, it is going to change how we live. Because when Jesus died for all of our misplaced treasuring, our storehouses that were bursting at the seams with moth-eaten and rusted, decaying, temporary joys, and all of our sins were piled onto Jesus high, he took our misplaced treasuring to the tomb with him. When he rose again, he gave us new math, a new way of seeing, a new way of valuing, a new way of appraising. And when he defeated death, you know what Jesus is showing us? I told you. I told you there is more to come after this life. And I am the first thing. I told you there's more than what this earth can do. Come with me. And follow me, and I can show you treasures in heaven that will last forever. So if you have been raised with Christ, have you been raised with Christ? Paul writes this as though it's already happened. If you are a Christian, you have, in a sense, already been raised with Christ, but you are awaiting the final resurrection with Christ. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So where is my life now? It is babushka dolled into Christ. You know those Russian dolls? You open them and they just pop, 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 and they get that little thing. Your life is hidden, pop, 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 all into Christ. So wherever he goes now, wherever he is, we're there. His passion's ours. His desire's ours. His love's ours. His treasure's ours. And when Christ, who is your life. I love, this, is my, this might be my favorite nickname for Jesus. We know he's Lord. We know he's Savior. We know he's Alpha and Omega, Carpenter, Prince of Priests, King of Kings, all those things. Christ, who is your life. Is he your life? He's the defining subject, the contours, the meat and potatoes of your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, and the clouds are rolled back like a scroll, then you will also appear with him in glory, your future to come. If you know that's your future, you will set your mind on your future. Reset the dials. Because since Christ is alive, our appraisal of everything changes. What really matters now, everything changes. What is ultimate changes. If, we, if Christ is dead, who cares? Eat, drink, be merry, get drunk, buy the doodads, the gizmos, fill up on the salad bar. Who cares? Ignore others, hoard for yourself, it doesn't matter. But since Jesus is alive and our life is with him, Everything is different now. He's the great treasure of our lives. His kingdom is our great treasure. And when we will appear with him in glory, that will spark joy. So does Christ and his kingdom, does that spark joy for you? Does it spark the right amount of joy for you? It sparks a lot of joy if you know him. And it can be yours today if you believe and trust Jesus. Right now, you can trust him. And some of us, we need to trust him. We need to re-trust him. We need to remember him.
And we're going to do that now in the Lord's Supper. Let's pray together. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.